The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito Marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshals online at mosquitomarshals.com. Mosquito Marshals, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshals. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I am not Ben Garrett because I am not a ginger. Ben is out today. Not feeling too well. So the band again is back together. I am joined by Colin Brister. Uh, we've 
well documented the 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 inverse circle or whatever the hell you want to call how me you and Ben have done podcasts over the years but glad to be back in the uh in the microphone the arena whatever you want to call it we're not actually in person but uh what's up man is this like the uh, small town band that gets back together like every 15 years or so maybe every 10 is this what anytime this like some to? local watering hole gets desperate and needs a fill-in band for a show sounds like we're uh we're in the bullpen so we have that market covered in oxford <laughs> which i think is one hell of an accomplishment what's <laughs> Awesome is compared to the last time we talked, and I think actually the last two times on this podcast at least, we actually have stuff to talk about, and we don't have to bore you ad nauseum about the little we know or anyone knows about the coronavirus, the bad takes uh, surrounded by it, and whether they're going to play football or not, because as it seems very obvious, and to me, I'm not as attached to the situation as I once was living in Oxford but it does seem like the more they go into these practices and the further along they get, the more normal it seems and the less maybe hysteria. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but the less, uh, I guess, constant worry and fear, not to go all Clay Travis on you, but like there is about the season because it does seem clear they're at least going to try. Now, things yeah. could hit the fan quickly, but we're going to have football, which is always good. Yeah, I, I think. It's pretty safe to say Ole Miss and Florida will kick the football off on September the 26th, and they will play a game. Now, does Ole Miss and Mississippi State play on the Saturday after Thanksgiving? Well, that remains to be seen. Um, I think if I had to bet, I would say, yeah, they probably do, which is good. I've always thought if you could ever just get it started and get it rolling, there would be some sense of normalcy to cling to. Um until you were able to get it started, though, I never thought, you know, I, I, there was always in the back of your mind, can we really do this? And and I think what since they've started preseason practice, they've done a scrimmage. I just kind of think that that people have secluded themselves to the fact that, yeah, Ole Miss is probably going to at least have some modicum of a football season. And which is why, and I don't want to get off too into this because this conversation is so tired, but which is why I do think the Big Ten's decision was incredibly premature. The reason I don't include the Pac-12 is because it's honestly at this point in Power 5 Athletics a totally different ballgame. Totally different region in the country with varying levels of access to testing because of the hotspots. Really just not as much of an emphasis on football and athletics, if we're being completely honest. Not saying it's a small industry or anything, but if they pick one conference where it's just not as emphasized, it's the Pac-12. But I do think the Big Ten's decision to kind of can this thing, to your point, before getting started, was a little bit premature because what could it hurt by just at least giving it a try, I guess. But at the yeah. same time, I, I do agree with you in terms of uh, them like at least getting it started. But Mike, I subscribe to the line of thinking, which I think is similar. If you get three or four games into this thing, I do think there is going to be a little bit of a sense of we're going to finish this no matter what, barring something just catastrophic, just to kind of say we did it. Uh, because my, there does seem to be a little bit of spite with the, the split decision-making. Sure. It, my thing is a lot of people have brought up the MLB, and it's like, well, they, they've just pushed through and, and plugged along. It's like, yeah, but they have 60 guys to pull from. My worry is, what if you get to week three and six of Ole Miss's offensive linemen have to quarantine? So that, that, exactly. that type of stuff is, is my worry. Like, I don't, I don't think the two are apples to oranges when you compare those. So – I'm interested to see how that works. I'm interested to see what happens when a kid and, – and a kid is going to get the coronavirus. That is going to happen. So I'm interested to see what that does to your team if your starting center gets the coronavirus. Do you have to quarantine every defensive lineman and every offensive lineman? I don't think so, but I, I just want to see how it works. 
Agree. And to the whole baseball thing, as like bad as people like to rail on it when the Marlins thing happened, or hell, you even had the St. Louis Cardinals miss oh, like man. two it and a half weeks off. of action. Yeah. But they're still beating. They're still alive and ticking, you know? Like they still have a yeah. heartbeat. They're still going. It's yeah, not but, perfect. No, but they have 60 players to pull from, too. That's why I have a hard time comparing it. It's like oh, you don't 100%. have 20. I don't think it's comparable either. Yeah, you don't have 20 offensive linemen. You can't go sign offensive linemen, you know? That being said, I know everyone is just loving the coronavirus talk if you haven't got enough of that <laughs> for the last few months. Ole Miss got on the field this Saturday, this past Saturday for a scrimmage. And there was, in terms of preseason scrimmages, I would say this is probably a pretty good exception in terms of, I think there's a pretty decent bit you can take from it just because every time they step on the field before they play a game is such a smaller sample size than we used to in terms of practice and preparation and all of those things that go into that because of the no spring, because of the no real normal fall camp where they don't have school and you kind of get them all day, that type of deal. So I guess we'll start there because Kiffin addressed the media what about four hours ago i would say something like that and uh sure. my first note was i've gone three weeks and didn't recognize the people asking the first three questions so like <laughs> what is the deal with that who are these people i recognize sus uh neil uh nate but there were two or three guys i was like did did i miss something like who is this but was, that was my was first one, note was one of them a girl or, or a woman uh, not that i noticed there was some okay. guy there's a fellow named james so if james is listening to this podcast what's up I think but, uh, I think the person that has our former job, a sports editor, is a uh, is a young woman. So I was wondering if it was maybe her. Oh, that's cool, and that definitely could have been it. I didn't even necessarily think about the DM because you kind of do have new people every right. year. But that's cool. So I guess first and foremost, we'll start with what everyone probably wants to hear us talk about is the quarterback situation. And I thought the way Kiffin worded things was actually fairly telling, without you know being too demonstrative with his words or whatever being too extreme he said Matt Corral played quote extremely well he said John Rice Plumley was a little bit up and down had a fumble of, of for a big turnover as he said uh did some good things and then well I, I don't want to get ahead of myself we'll just leave it there for right now I found that interesting and kind of the more and more you read into it and listen and hear things it does seem to be there's beginning to be a little bit of separation. Now, that doesn't mean you couldn't jockey back and forth and this thing could change. But again, finite window, it's it's not nothing. No, no, absolutely not. Um, So, I, I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, from Kiffin's quotes, and you don't want to parse his word, word for word. But um, and what you see, kind of what you hear is that Matt Corral had a really good Saturday. Uh, you know, I heard north of 200 and 40 yards or so and, and completed a high percentage of passes. And so I don't know. I, I think, you know, look, if people were, you know, miserable enough to listen to our podcast a year ago, both of us, you know, questioned why Matt Corral was not the starting quarterback, um, you know, halfway through the year. And people didn't so, like us for that either. No, no, we were not liked. And I was, I was called lots of names for insinuating that, you know, Matt Luke should probably play the better quarterback to keep his job. But anyways, um, I just kind of think that – and here's what I think. I think Lane Kiffin's system is tailored more for Matt Corral, and I think Rich Rodriguez's system is tailored more for John Rice Plumley. So if I had to guess today, based on what we uh, – you know, Kiffin's quotes, what you kind of hear is that Matt Corral will be the starting quarterback against Florida um, when Ole Miss takes the field. Now, that could be fun because if you remember, 
the uh, rumor is that Dan Mullen cut Matt Corral when he first got to Florida. So Matt Corral is either going to throw for like 500 yards and like four touchdowns or 150 and four picks. So that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and he necessarily doesn't. He doesn't necessarily show it all the time. But you can't tell me if he is lining up the first game at quarterback on September 26th. That there's probably not going to be a little bit of a boulder on the shoulder there. <laughs> Uh, because of a man in a visor on the other sideline. But that being said, I do agree with you in the sense that I don't, as much as everyone, I don't think this got talked about maybe quite as much last year because well, no matter what you think of John Rice Plumley, Matt Corral got dealt a raw deal. Yes. Right? You spend the whole offseason building him up. They take him to SEC media days as a freshman and all that. He gets hurt one time after probably, in, his, in fairness, his worst half of football in the very short sample size that he had had. And then you just go with the other guy because it fits the system. And I think that's exactly what probably got under talked about because the system didn't really work. That being Rich Rodriguez is everyone liked to crap on it in the mismanagement. But if you want to talk about advantages and disadvantages for playing in that, you mentioned now Lane Kiffin is one with all kinds of quarterbacks. Let's not pretend he has it from Matt Barkley to Jalen Hurts, right? Or Blake Sims, right? Like he's done it with all kinds of quarterbacks. But to your point, like you said, Matt Corral is probably tailored to his system a little bit better. I think most college systems are to where Rich Rodriguez is, was so unique. It was perfect for John Rice Plumley. If you yeah. want to talk, if you want to put disadvantages and advantages for each quarterback when it comes to Rich Rod's system, the list of advantages were quite long for Matt Corral. I mean, excuse me, for John Rice Plumley, quite short for Matt Corral, whereas the list of disadvantages, I mean, just look at the damn passing scheme they had was very uh, long for Matt Corral, and the list of disadvantages was not that long for Plumley. He had pretty much every leg up when it came to scheme. Yeah, and, and you made a really good point there when you said, you know, a lot of college uh, coaches' systems would probably be tailored to Matt Corral. Yeah, 90%, 85% feel like that their system would be more tailored to, to number two, but, you know, uh, 15, uh, 15% fell on Ole Miss last year, and that's why they uh, – that's why they played Plumley. And look, you can make what whatever you want out of that decision. It, it is what it is at this point. But I just kind of feel here. Here's my thing. The problem yeah, was the indecision, though, right? Well, a little bit. See, a lot of people said that, and I get it. But man, it wasn't a. It, they weren't rotating Matt Corral and and John Rice Plumley. John Rice Plumley was the quarterback until they needed somebody to come in and throw on third and eight. Like, like there wasn't to me, a, a which is not predictable chairs. at all. <laughs> yeah. It, like it wasn't rotating chairs. It was John Rice Plumley's job until, you know, Mac Luke's job was on the line with five minutes left in Starville, Mississippi. And then suddenly Mac Crowell took, came in. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, but you know, be that as it may, what's interesting is kind of spinning all of this forward. If this does kind of continue, unless I'm not, I'm not, you know, I've kind of waffled back and forth. I really haven't been consistent in my decision making in terms of like who I think is going to start week one. I've actually kind of made a case for both over the course of the spring and the summer. Uh, you know, obviously, based on the info now, if you made me bet, it's probably Matt Corral, but a lot of time in between now and then. That being said, let's just say it plays out this way because we can do the inverse if we want to after that, sure. after this. But let's just say it plays out this way. And it is Matt Corral that is the starting quarterback. Obviously, as I point out pretty much every time we talk about this on the podcast, it's worth it's 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 good company to have two guys competing because Ole Miss has not made it through the season with one quarterback playing and completing all 12 games since 2015, which was a half decade ago at this point. Wow. I guess. Jesus Christ. Wait, I, am. I think. Hold on. 
No, that's right. No, well, sort of. No, yeah, pretty much. No, because wait, Tamu wait. went. Tamu started all of them at 18, but they missed him in the second half of the Egg Bowl. Remember, he didn't finish. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's right. So it's a little bit of a technicality, but you kind of get my point. Five and so obviously, it, it's, yeah, it's worth having two. Like, that's a good luxury to have. But the interesting question that comes off of all of this, if it does relate, uh, if it does come down to this and Corral is the quarterback, what then becomes of Plumlee in terms of other positions, the whole two sport thing, the floor is yours? Depends on the kid, right? Because if John Rice Plumlee says, no, nah, man, like I, I want to play quarterback, um, I came here to play quarterback, and I, and I think it's important we say this, um, he came to Ole Miss to play quarterback. He he. What am I trying to say? He could have gone to a lot more places and not played quarterback. The reason he chose the University of Mississippi was to play quarterback. Is that fair? That's why Georgia didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, that, that's fair, right? He he probably doesn't come to Ole Miss if they tell him, hey, you're probably not playing quarterback. Um, so I, what does the kid want to do? Does the kid want to go play wide receiver, running back, or defensive back, or one of the myriad of positions that people put him at? Like, you know, what does the kid want to do? So I think, you know, if, if Matt Corral is the quarterback, what is best for Ole Miss? I think putting John Rice Plumlee in the slaughter and the, at the running back position is probably best for Ole Miss. But the kid's got to buy into that, too. And, and that's, you know, I'm not going to fault the kid for saying, no, look, I want to develop as a quarterback. I want to be a quarterback. And when Matt Crowell leaves or I'm able to beat him out, I want to be Ole Miss's quarterback. So I think I think it's a twofold answer. It's like, yeah, he would be best in the slot. He would be best at running back if he's not playing quarterback. But does he want to do that? Yeah, agreed. And at the same time, I'm certainly not going to criticize a kid for doing what he wants in college because he's an amateur athlete. It's, you know, for whether you're an athlete or not, college is supposed to be one of the more fun times of your life, like a lot of choices to make. But at the same time, isn't there an element? I'm not going to go all the short snarky route and say selfish and all that. That's not what I'm saying at all. But at the same time, they like he's been able to come here. He's been able to do the two sport thing that he's wanted to do. I guess it was a little premature in terms of calling it what it was as baseball, but he probably wasn't in the mix to play very much in baseball no. if they com- completed that season. And if you get beat out at quarterback, at a certain point it comes down to, and I know what the, the interesting part about this is he's been very adamant about not wanting to go to other positions. M- more power to him, completely fair. If that's what he wants to do, then fine. But does it come down to a thing where Matt Corral – plays really well in the first three to four games and it comes to a point where like am I going to stand here with the clipboard or am I going to go catch passes and outrun everyone over the middle of the field no that's and a fair I, just, I just wonder where that ends up going does he change his mind because of the time he spends idle on the bench I guess because yeah. Ole Miss would be a better team with him on the field than off of it even if it's not at quarterback oh without a doubt and you know I think maybe it's a situation where he, he sees how well Corral does or does not play um so you know, if he's after three games, he's, you know, completing 48% of his passes and throwing for 6.7 yards per attempt, well, then he's probably going to stay at quarterback and try to get on the field. Um, but if he's, you know, he played four games, he's thrown 10 touchdowns and two picks and is completing 62% for eight, eight and a half yards per attempt, you know, what do you do then? And, and my question then becomes, okay, if because, I mean, let's get into this. The NCAA ruled that this season is not going to count against kids' eligibility. So Matt Corral is coming back next year as a fourth-year sophomore. Jesus. Um, I knew fourth- a couple of those. Yeah, I mean, so he's coming back for as a fourth-year sophomore. If you're 
John Rice Plumley. At that point, you literally have to decide, all right, am I going to go play, you know, quarterback at a smaller school or at another school, or am I going to play wide receiver? So at some point, the kid has to, the kid does have to make a choice. I just don't think he's ready to make that yet. And in fairness to him, I wouldn't be either because, frankly, he hasn't lost his quarterback job yet. I think he's behind, but I don't think he's lost it. 100%. And you bring up a really interesting point that we'll hit on, but we'll take a break real quick. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. So you bring up the point of Corral, like what happens if Corral is the starter but doesn't play well again. And just in a vacuum, say this is about as normal as a season as you want. Like they're, they're treating it like a normal season, eligibility issues aside, not eligibility issues, eligibility situation and all that aside. Isn't that the worst case scenario for Ole Miss, that Corral becomes the starter, he doesn't play that well, you go back to the other guy? Because that just really feels like 2019 all over again. And then if Plumlee's not that much more effective, do you just invite Rich Rodriguez back out to do the coin toss as an honorary guest? Like, what do you do there? Because as as Ben and, ben and I have talked about it a couple of times, and I don't think this is some nuanced take that no one else has had out there, but I do think it, a really important part of this quarterback decision is the guy you go with, you need to have some faith in him. I don't think you need to roll. If you choose Matt Corral, I don't think the, need, the leash needs to be as short as it was on that September day against Cal. And yes, I know he got knocked out because of an injury, but you can't tell me the man in the headset was not itching to put the other guy in even before that happened. Yeah. And uh, I just think you're not doing anything for the kid's confidence. You're not doing anything to bring him along because he's still a young quarterback. He started what, like three games in college? Four. Four, Four games, Four? yeah. So, to me, one of the most important decisions in this whole thing is whatever you do, be decisive. And I'm not saying ride, let Matt Corral and ride him to a 2-8 and eight season or whatever it is. I would make the argument record doesn't matter aside from an abomination in terms of the negative aspects of it. But there does need to be some level of slack cut to him in the sense that like no it shouldn't be bad like it shouldn't be excuse if he's playing bad but just stick with him long enough to make you feel like he has the trust of you and the rest of the staff and the team because you saw when that didn't really happen last year despite saying the opposite publicly and it was a really really bad situation yeah and, and i'm 1000 percent with you there um if you choose matt corral he's your quarterback you you don't get to you don't get to go out there and watch the kid 
go three and out, two drives, two out of three drives against Florida. And, and you know, all the fans are on Twitter mad. Put Plumley in. No, nah, man. And, and same way with Plumley. He's your quarterback. He's your quarterback. Now, it, can there be some wildcat stuff? I guess. I don't really think Luke uh, Lane Kiffin's a huge fan of, of a bunch of wildcat stuff. Um, but if whichever one of these guys you choose, it, it, you know, just from for my preference, stick stick with them. Like, like like don't don't go out there and you know first quarter doesn't go well for Plumley or Corral, and then you yank them and you're yo yoing quarterbacks. No, like pick a quarterback, play the kid. And at least give him like two games to 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 have some kind of rhythm to get going. Um, so yeah, I'm with you there. I, I I don't think you can have a bad first quarter against Florida, who is going to be better than Ole Miss at pretty much every position, um, and then yank the kid. So I I do think that's why I kind of think this quarterback thing drags out a little bit, right? Is because I think they know. Look, when we decide our guy, that's our guy for at least a few games, right? So I, I think that's why you're not going to see a starter name for at least another, I don't know, two weeks. If someone asked me to write a column about the best in hell, I may do it. The the, <laughs> the best possible scenario for Ole Miss is it not an efficient Matt Corral, a really good passer in Matt Corral, and then John Rice Plumley as a the wildcat thing's kind of overplayed, but using yeah. him in some way, because at the end of the day, if Corral plays really well, if you can find a way to bottle up the LSU and John Rice Plumley, like that was real. And that's what that's why there's such a disconnect nationally. I read a two four seven article the other day about the SEC betting lines for week one. And the opening thing between Ole Miss and Florida was this has potential to be a great quarterback battle between Kyle Trask and John Rice Plumley. And it's like, dude, like that is not a like, that's not a certainty, Matt Corral. But it's still on the roster. But no, so, that's common though, right? Like I saw Dory Noka the other day, who was on SEC Network, just talking about, well, there's not a quarterback battle in Oxford. It's like, bro, yes, there is. Yeah, there absolutely is. But that that comes from everyone watching that LSU game in a primetime slot. Whereas, no offense, no one's watching a four and eight Ole Miss team uh, struggle at Missouri. <laughs> or even A and M, and the only reason they'd really watch Ole Miss play in the Egg Bowl is because it was the only game on. And so they remember all that. They don't remember how badly he struggled against Mississippi State and some other things. But that's not really a knock on the kid. It's just interesting the disconnect. But that being said, back to kind of my point, isn't the best version of this is Corral because he definitely has more arm talent as a passer, and then using Plumley in some way. I don't even know what that looks like. I'm, I can't even like flesh this theory out completely but that would seem like best case scenario if yeah, corral I, plays well enough to win it yeah I, I think if look man i think if matt corral plays well you've got a quarterback for at least another year maybe two maybe three um so I, that yes that is your best case scenario is the four-star kid with a huge arm uh that didn't have really good footwork last year becomes really good with his footwork or at least average with his footwork and has a really good year because i think that's what's best for the future of your program um so, yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, I, I don't understand. And, look, I'm not a quarterback guru by any stretch of the, any imagination. I don't understand those that have given up on Matt Corral. The kid, if you go look at his stats, 59% last year, not great, not awful, 7.7 yards per attempt. Yeah, okay, not, not to cut you off, but 59% in Rich Rodgers' scheme, bump it up at least three points. That's like a 62 anywhere okay. else. Okay. 7.7 7 yards per attempt, not, not terrible. Pretty decent for a redshirt freshman. Um, six touchdowns, three interceptions. I mean, that that's not awful numbers. And somehow we have looked at this kid 
and, and or some Ole Miss fans have looked at this kid and decided, no, I can't play. It's like, what are you basing that on? I've never understood that. And to underscore your point, he, those are those numbers as a redshirt freshman in his first year where he was pretty much under with no wide receivers other than Elijah Moore and he, where he was undercut by his coaching staff at every turn. Yep. Yep. I mean, <laughs> he's coming in <laughs> off the bench cold multiple times. Like, yeah. He <laughs> called his own play on the fourth and 20, whatever. And started I do calling. love that. Did you listen to it on the radio? What he said? Yo, that's what, okay, you just highlighted why I'm in total agreement. It's not the fact that he did it. It's the fact that he went on radio after and was like, yeah, that was all me. Rich Rod called this play, but I decided we didn't want to run that. I'm like, love? And it worked. It was like probably, I hope, I'm not going to go back and chart that game because I really just don't want to watch it more times than I had to. But it was probably their most explosive play of the half and possibly the game. It, it had to be. It got 55 yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, would I say mean, depending so. on your definition of explosive, the, the most explosive like occurrence in the game was obviously the lifting of someone's right leg and the whiffing of another white right leg. But like as far as like schematic play, that was their most explosive one. So interesting uh, question, I guess, would be is, is Luke Logan the kicker? If they Did they try to find another one? I'm kind of curious who's going to kick field goals this year. So I did a little bit of digging on this this summer, and the answer I basically got from people, and take this for what it's worth, is I guess. And then when <laughs> they pressed on it, they would say, well, who else is there? Okay. So that was always so, what I was told when I asked uh, last year. It was like, is there anybody else? No, no, there's not. I, hey. They signed the kicker from J.A., they did. Up for the logo on his helmet. So they did. Uh, yep. You, you, the, the JA guys do produce uh, studs. Um, yes. <laughs> Very football they, they signed a kid or committed a kid from like Louisiana that's a five star. So I figure he'll be the kicker next year. But he's still in high school. Maybe they can see if he can graduate early. I mean, if you if you're really hung up on wins and losses within this season too, and I, I say that just to say, you know, not a normal year. You know, having expectations is probably a foolish proposition unless, you know, you go one and nine or whatever. Yeah. But that's going to be a big part because you're not having any cupcakes built in. And if you get in a couple close games, you need a guy who's a little bit better than one of seven from 40 plus. And, you know, it's look, Luke, Luke Logan has not been good. I don't think that's unfair to say. And I don't mean to pile on the kid, but I do think it's kind of like the quarterback deal with Ole Miss. You look at the quarterbacks that Ole Miss has had from, what, 2008 on, and, and all of them came in and produced, man, they've been really good kicking, too. Like, I mean, you look from Sheen to Rose to Ritter. Ritter wasn't great, but Wonderlick was really good. I mean, they've been really good kicking the football and just not been so good the past two years. So it's it, fans kind of don't have realistic expectation for what college kickers look like because most times college kickers are not good. Yeah, Ole Miss fans were spoiled. And really the only blip in that whole sequence was like that game and a half stretch where Wonderlick kind of missed a couple with yeah. a hamstring issue. But outside of that, they've been extremely spoiled with it. That being said, like, I mean, Luke Logan has not been good, not really trying to stick up for the dude. But at the same time, following Gary Wonderlick is not an easy thing to do because you just uh -oh. think to take those things for granted. And yeah. so, yeah, it's fascinating. But any other, like, I guess pressing thoughts on the quarterback competition. I think we just about covered it. I am uh, fascinated about how I watch out. I will clarify though. I, I I made my best case scenario theory. But that being said, if John Rice Pomey comes back to win this job, and it is still early, I say comes back. If John Rice Pomey just ends up winning this job, I'm not saying that's a 
inferior scenario. I just look at it from the perspective of if John Rice Plumley plays well enough to win your starting quarterback job, sweet, rod with him. Like he could be very successful, but you're not really going to get a ton of on-field value out of Matt Corral. Whereas if you if Matt Corral wins the job, you could still find a way if the kid is willing to get value out of John Rice Plumley. Should that factor into your decision making? Probably not really. You want to play the guy that's best for the job. Sure. But I just think that's the most optimal scenario. But that being said, I just I, I I don't mean that to sound like if Plumley wins the job, Ole Miss is worse for it. Not what I mean at all. It's just kind of a two for one if it ends up being the other way around. Well, let me, I'm fascinated to watch it. Let me ask you like this, all right? If if you let's just pretend John Rice Plumley doesn't win this job and he wants to go play wide receiver, he says, Coach, I need to go play slot and catch the ball and help this team. Is he still your backup quarterback? How does that work? I mean, I'm sure he is. I mean, Who can else? you be a quarterback and a slot receiver? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think you can. Okay. I mean, hell, <laughs> Kentucky played Lynn Bowden at quarterback last yep. year, and Plumlee's, like, actually a quarterback. Like, obviously, yeah. if he gets dinged up and stuff, like, that's a real bummer. But, yeah, sure. I mean, I just – I don't see really any problem with it. I mean, maybe there's an angle of this I'm not thinking at, but let's just say he's on the field in a game and Matt Corral tweaks an ankle or something to where he can't finish the game. Why are you not sticking him back at Well, I just, I just wonder – if you're going to play slot receiver, um, one would think you practice all week at slot receiver. Is it as simple as just being able to go, you know, behind center and run plays? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could take slot reps with, like, the, the threes don't really get many reps. I don't know how that works because I guess you wouldn't <laughs> slot reps with the ones because you need that with Elijah Moore. I guess you could sprinkle it in. You could probably find a way to do both, but to your point, it, it would definitely make things harder and – uh Practice would kind of suck. You got to do a lot more stuff. <laughs> yeah, what? I mean, I think honestly, I'm just kind of talking out loud now. Um, I think if you got hurt like during the game, if Matt Crow got hurt during the game, right? I think it would be tough for you him to go say, "All right, I'm the quarterback now." But I think the next week when he practiced at quarterback all week, he'd probably be fine. I was about to say, and I don't necessarily mean to be an ass, but I think you know it would be tougher looking at Grant Tisdale or Ken K. Denton and saying, "Go win this." Well, I'll just be honest with you. I don't think either one of those are the third-string quarterback. I, Go I ahead. Think, I think the Renfro kid would be the third-string kid if uh, if they had to get that far. I mean, you know, look, that's just an opinion. That's not sourced or anything, but uh, they did bring that kid in because they really like him. I think if it had to get to a third-string quarterback, and God forbid, I think it'd be him. Fair enough. That's uh, totally fair. I, to, to be honest, not obviously none of us get to see practice and all of that. I just don't know a ton about the kid. But even, be that as it may, no matter. I mean, throw him in the group as well. Still a suboptimal scenario if you're looking at him sure, as opposed sure, to sure. just telling John Rice Plumley to uh, to switch positions. So I don't know. I'm sure we'll have more on that as we go forward. It's still very early, but it does sound like Matt Corral has a slot, little bit of an edge after the uh, the first scrimmage. But again, we've still got a month. Do we have exactly – no, we got a month and two days. I was about to yeah. say it was exactly a month until they kick it off. Let's take a break and then kind of just hit a little bit of the other topics because there are some actually interesting ones I'd like to get to. So break real quick, then we'll come back. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. 
But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Elsewhere outside of the quarterback stuff, the, the receiver thing's fascinating to me because you kind of – it almost felt like if you're an Ole Miss fan, like it's it, the, the wishful thinking at receiver is Mingo kind of comes along and emerges as a viable threat on the outside. And like not just saying this because he, he wears number one, but he kind of has the build to be the kind of big physical, you know, go get the ball type of college receiver on the outside if he can develop. And uh, to his credit, like in terms of offseason, in terms of the early parts of camp, you're certainly hearing all the right things in terms of the coaching staff and other people saying that uh, as far as him actually, the, the storyline coming to fruition, I guess I should say, which is definitely a good thing for Ole Miss because as much as people want to talk about the quarterback thing, you can look across the state at the other program in Mississippi State and no offense at all, but you can have real problems if there's not enough people to catch the balls. Yep. And, and I think Mingo's played well preseason. I didn't think Mingo was especially bad or anything last year. I thought he played kind of well. He was um, the one kid in flashes that you're like, all right, there's something. Yeah. And I think Dennis Jackson has had a good preseason camp. So I, I think Ole Miss is finding some receivers. I, I don't think they're going to be bare there. Now, you don't want to get a whole bunch of guys hurt because then you're relying on guys that hadn't really ever done anything um, and, and are a little bit older, too. I don't want to say any names, but you get my drift. So – I. It is what it is, but I think there's I think they can find three to four guys that can make plays. And often the forgotten guy in this is Braylon Sanders because he was saddled with a hamstring injury. Yeah. I think maybe one or two other last year. But when he's healthy, he's a productive deep threat down the field. Like he seems to be the forgotten guy just because he hasn't been able to come on the field very much. But like that's a big veteran piece that cracked into a super talented receiver rotation. I don't feel like I'm about to pull that up real quick before we get too far in it in a second. Continue. But I'm going to pull up his numbers the first couple of years because of what they had in the receiver room and him cracking that rotation is super impressive. But to your point, Mingo, you know, 6'2", 215 pounds, kind of a Treadwell-ish like build. 
I mean, that's going to be an important piece for Ole Miss. But if you mention like outside of him, it's Dennis Jackson. It's, you know, potentially Jaden Jackson. They kept talking about Jordan Jernigan early on in practice last year. Yeah. I hadn't heard much from him in a while. But to your point, you're starting to talk about the older guys. Like, I say older guys, it sounds weird, but Gregory redshirted and then played, and now he's a sophomore. But, like, where's Miles Battle and Demarcus Gregory in all of this? Like, in a, in a way, that seems, and granted, it just happens sometimes, but you haven't heard a ton about those guys, and they're uh, they're the older ones in the room, I guess, yeah. aside from Drummond and Sanders, and Drummond uh, was a JUCO kid. Yeah, that's kind of who I was mentioning. I forgot about Drummond. He was actually pretty good at times last year. Um, so, you know... I, I don't think those guys have, have contributed much. And, you know, I don't think they're counting on them right now to be big contributors this year. Now, if somebody gets hurt, they're going to have to ask them to be. So I think the freshman kids from last year, the the Mingos, the uh, Dennis Jackson, the Jaden Jacksons, I think those guys are going to be the ones they won't step up, make plays, along with obviously Elijah Moore and maybe Drummond to an extent. I think those are your guys. Um, now, some of them start getting hurt, and you get to guys like Battle and Gregory. Uh, maybe a Jernigan. So we'll see. But I kind of think that's the pecking order right now. Uh, Sanders' number's not as impressive and as Sanders. I remember. Yeah. I, I just so, But he played in six games in 2017, caught a touchdown, four receptions, 65 yards. He did have 16 catches in 18 with uh, DK Metcalf and Demarcus Lodge and A.J. Brown still on the roster. It's just a matter of a clean bill of health for him. I think that's a little bit of an underrated storyline that would really help Ole Miss. But, yeah, elsewhere at receiver, it's like – I mean, I felt the same thing going into last year. It's like they have some really interesting pieces and some interesting prospects, but Rich Rodriguez made sure we had no clue what they actually were <laughs> because of the incompetence of the scheme. And I hate to continue to pile on, although I'm sure – uh, there are a lot of people that would that say that's not piling on enough. There's some interesting pieces. I'm just kind of interested to see who actually emerge and comes out of it because one thing is actually well, two things are clear. One, they're going to throw the ball like a normal offense, whether they're successful yep. at it or not. So to at least put these guys in positions to succeed, and two, they will have a tight end. He will exist. He will exist. I like that. I like that. Wait. So I'm curious here. Okay. We, we've said that, uh, you know, you don't lose a year of eligibility, right? So, right. All right. Cade Renfro, let's just say he plays next year or he plays whatever. I'm just taking a freshman here. And and this is kind of going off topic a little bit. Let's say he red shirts next year. Will he be a third year freshman? How does that work? Or is this just count as your red shirt year? That is a question above my pay grade. <laughs> You would think you'd still get a redshirt year, particularly if it were like a medical thing, though, right? Yeah, I would think so. So can we have third-year freshmen? That would be awesome. That would be absolutely fascinating. But you just mentioned the fourth-year sophomore. It's not a ton different. No, it's not. Jeez. And, I, they, you know, they are going to have to do something as far as increasing scholarship limits or something. Otherwise, there are going to be a lot of high school kids that don't have a place to go. Yeah, no kidding. Raymond Cotton and Barry Brunetti were like, why couldn't this be around when I was here? I could have strung eight years out of this thing. <laughs> Barry Brunetti, he he, did, he played, played a good while. So did Raymond Cotton. I think Raymond Cotton, if you remember him, was still playing at Mississippi College circa like 2018. I think it was a little <laughs> bit before that, but it wasn't. Well, yeah. <laughs> in my mind, he just graduated. They had senior day for him in Clinton last year. Another bit of huge breaking news is Seller Shy, scout team quarterback, is now listed as a receiver. The only reason uh, I bring that up is because one of my favorite moments of what was a drag of a 2019 season was, I think we were asking how you prepare for Tua, maybe it uh, was. 
and Jacques Jones said, you know, so-and-so is doing this in practice. And when we asked for his name, he goes, actually, I don't remember the kid's name. <laughs> was it he didn't mean to maliciously at all. He was just grinning. He was like, I can't remember the scout team quarterback's name. Jesus That's so not fun. <laughs> oh, man. How do you prepare for Tua? I was kidding. I can't remember his name. He's, he's doing, he's, he's taking some snaps. Yeah, that's a that's that's a tough one, but was a funny moment in a uh, in a very long year. The only other really notes I wrote from Kiffin's presser, like regarding the scrimmage from everything I've seen, you know, listened to, read, whatever, was every time they have one of these scrimmages, they say Ely busted a long run. Yeah, he does that. He's literally really every single time. <laughs> He's really good. Um, so. We'll see. I, I think he can have a really special year this year because I think they're going to use him correctly, and I think Lane Kiffin forces the ball to his best players. So I think he's going to have a really special year. I would agree as well. I mean, you look at his numbers last year and just like pulling them up really quickly, it doesn't really take much. But I mean, if you defined him in one or in one phrase, I guess I should say, rather than one word last year, it was home run hitter. And yeah. you can best believe, particularly with Scotty Phillips gone. Jerry and Ely is going to see more than whatever it was last year as far as uh, he's going to see a, more than 100 touches for <laughs> 722. I mean, he averaged 6.9 yards rush. I mean, kid was kid was unbelievable, but it just feels like every single time they have one of these scrimmages, it's like, oh, yeah, Ely took one to the house. And you saw it in like every fifth game, it felt like. or every, yeah. I say every fifth game, every like third game. Yeah, he's a monster, man. And I think he's going to be really good. You know, Bianco just holds his breath every time he gets tackled, right? That is also very true because uh, of baseball, Casey Mize, do you remember him at Auburn? Yes, I do. He pitches for the Tigers. Is he on their 60 man? Yeah, oh, he's, he's pitching tonight, it. isn't he? He is pitching tonight against our Cubs and he is an absolute monster. Like he, he is. Threw, I'm sitting here watching the first inning and he threw three sinkers that to Rizzo that were just ungodly. That, I that, do wonder you know. if. If some of those, particularly with pitchers rather than position players, if some of this 60-man stuff just kind of disproves the theory that they need three and a half years in the minors. <laughs> so you think they do need three and a half years? No, I think that theory could be disproved, particularly yeah, with pitchers. Because at a certain point, your stuff's your stuff. And if that I kid's think, doing that. Man, look, I think Maz could have walked off that field at Auburn and pitched in the big leagues that day. Like, I, I he, was, he was unreal. And Ole Miss lit him up, if you remember. They tore him to shreds. He was still unreal. He was. And, uh, you mentioned the running backs, though. Like th This is very clear, but it, it just bears repeating. that That's the deepest position Ole Miss has on the 22 positions on the football field. Running back? Uh, no, I think it's quarterback. <laughs> like, I think you I think you got two guys that you uh, that can count on. But no, I'm kidding. I, I do think it's running back. I mean, it's, 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 it's Ely, it's Snoop Connor. Like they keep saying nice things about Kentrell Bullock and yeah. Henry Parrish. Although uh, Henry I believe Bullock's a little beat up. Good. Or is it really? Parrish that's beat up? Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think you've got what, at least three guys that contribute, maybe four. So well, I, that, I think that, that, be, that relegates, remember last year, the whole Snoop Connor thing relegated Isaiah Woolard, who was not a bad back when Scotty no. Phillips got hurt at the end of 2018. And he's an afterthought. But is Blue Penniman still here? Blue Penniman is still here, but Blue Penniman is a tight end. How about that? Okay. All right. They moved into tight end last year. I just think with his leg injury, it kind of is yeah. what it is, you know. That was uh, nasty. I felt so bad for him. 
absolutely. But good for him staying on the team, sticking it out and all of that. But I just think it is what it is at this point. But if you want to talk a little tight end, it is kind of fascinating. Ole Miss is going to use the tight end yeah. uh, definitely more than it did a year ago. And based on these headshots, it is going to be Kenny Yaboa and Chase Kenny Chase. Powers Rogers. Or should I say <laughs> Chase? Ah, uh, blanked on the kid's name. Chase Kale Baker Rogers. Oh, Kale um, Baker. Yeah. Yeah. But there, you're going to see that over under five touchdowns from a tight end this year. Does not have over. to be one dude. Collective tight end group. Over. I, I think Yaboa has a good year. I think they use him. I mean, you look at what uh, Kiffin did at FAU with their tight end. They're going to use him. So I'm going to go over. Maybe barely. Maybe six. Maybe seven. I, mean, I, I am going to go over five. I would feel better about it if it were 12 games, but I would still go over as well. I think they're going to be used more. I mean, yeah. no offense. Hell, how could they be used any less? <laughs> what, what is the baseline we're talking about here? Wait, so, wait. Octavius Cooley's still not here, right? Like, he's gone, no, no, right? O- Octavius Cooley has run his course of eligibility. Okay. Really nice guy, but just never – he was kind of the guy you heard. He's coming, and it just never happened. To his credit, he got in good shape his last – year and a half or so, yeah. but one of them was Phil Longo and the other was Rich, Rich Rod. Rodriguez. Yeah. Who just, you know, who treated the tight end worse, Rich Rod or uh, Longo? Uh, I want to say Longo because Rich Rodriguez did not discriminate. If your job was to catch the football, <laughs> you didn't exist. He was, not, he was not the man for you. Whereas, <laughs> whereas, whereas Phil Longo, I guess to his defense a little bit, he had a plethora of options, but just threw it all the time and chose not to chose the wide receiver. So that's what I mean. If Dawson Knox can go through an entire career without catching a touchdown pass to Ole Miss, can you really blame Octavius Cooley that much when his last two coordinators were him and Rich Rodriguez? If people keep telling me Rich Rodriguez, you know, he, he's a good coach. It's like, well, why doesn't he have a job? I was uh, I was on it early in the year. I was kind of like, well, the line sucks, and that blows everything else up. But then once they started doing the quarterback thing, that game, I'm trying to think, what was the game right after Missouri was? Was just like, okay, this, A&M. And, A&M. yeah, they played A and M, where that was the quintessential plumby, 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 and then Corral on third and ten. Oh, I wonder why he's in the game. And it's like, come on, man, like what, what are you doing? Oh, and then that's not to mention the next week at Auburn was just a crime against humanity. Rich, but Rich Howard had a good combo of uh, not really calling good plays and the kids couldn't stand him. It was a good combo. He, he was a hell of a watch in the booth, though. And my esteemed former colleague, Brian Haydad, was laughing very hard at me during the Egg Bowl this past year because the entire game within the game was Ole Miss would have a play blown up on offense. And I would look immediately to my right and have a clear shot. No more oh, than 15, 20 yards away of Rich Rodriguez in the booth. Could you read lips? Oh, no, there was no re- You didn't need to read lips. Like, <laughs> it, I didn't even get that far down the entertainment uh, echelon. Just his body movements were holy cow. like hitting stuff. Yeah, I mean, half the time, I'm not even sure there are any words. I have a story that I'm probably not ready to tell on a podcast quite yet. Although, oh, I'm really interested, cares? unless you've told me. Uh, I mean, I think I, the story is somewhat well-known, but just uh, we, we were standing in Auburn uh, oh, after the game, that. and they that. just like, like in the way locker rooms in college football or way media setup is not like ideal because who's going to spend money on a weight media room i'm not necessarily knocking it but you get in these small rooms next to the facility sometimes or you just go out on the field and do it but uh through a fairly thick concrete wall uh like i would say like a foot or two you could hear cuss word combinations that i'd never even heard of and then once i did some more digging it was not even necessarily directed at anybody it was just yelling into the abyss as anyway (laughs) 
So good times. So he wasn't, wait, so he was yelling at like Casper? Pretty much. I mean, no, no, no. There were people in his vicinity. It's just one of those things where he was walking around the locker room, but he's not he's not ripping anyone in general. He's just walking around the locker room, just kind of uh pepper spraying people with swear words, I guess. Just kind of whoever wants to take the brunt of it, it's there for the taking. Just yelling like you, out in the open. Like you said, he didn't discriminate. Yeah, that is very true. It was equal opportunity, so good for Rich Rodriguez. Let's take one more break and then hit a couple of defensive topics and get out of here. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and the Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at BrennanChapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N Chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market. As one of its newest sponsors, LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. Defensively, I think the storyline, without a shadow of a doubt, is the pass rush or maybe where they're going to generate a pass rush. It's become clear early on that Brandon Mack, who although listed as a linebacker, got a pretty good pass rush build, um, has kind of done a good job with that. Now, what does that mean for game action? You know, who the hell hell knows? But he's an important piece for them because without Sam Williams, who also is from Montgomery, they're actually, as I mentioned on the podcast earlier, they're actually friends. Like, they're both from Montgomery, though they went to different high schools, which is kind of a coincidence there. But without Sam Williams... Uh, away from the program you're kind of getting down to like well if he doesn't do it who's going to yeah um it's a really good point man i mean the the defensive line's worrisome i'm, I'm sure that keeps line kiffin up at night i don't know how they're going to get pass rush just looking at it right now so you're going to have to get some guys that uh step up make plays uh that hadn't done a whole lot guys like kd hill uh well there's kids named bivens uh quentin bivens who's yeah. gonna play a lot might start yeah I mean, you got to have some guys step up, and make plays. Is Demond Clowney going to get any time? He, you know, I know he needed to get in the weight room, um, but man, they need bodies out there. They're, they're, I can't recall the kid's name from Canada, but he's going to get to play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be it's going to be all hands on deck from a defensive line perspective and getting after the uh, the uh, quarterback. Yeah, and there's there's really just no room for injury, and I know that sounds dumb, but like, not. I'm, 
yeah, I mean, you don't even really know who's going to start for you. You lost, essentially. It's kind of weird to say. You just assume when you lose everyone off a of position group, you say you lost a lot to the draft, but that's not really the case with all this. It's not that the kids no, were they bad, lost but they, they lost everyone just to, just to graduation. Like, it, it, I mean, it, it, it's interesting, but... Yeah, I uh, I don't know. That's going to be a fascinating thing to watch because you saw what a deep Ole Miss defense looks like without an exterior pass rush, and that would be the a la 2018 defense, which I'm just going to go out on a limb and say not a lot of Ole Miss fans would be pumped to watch that be run back again. Yeah. You know, Nick Haynes is another option, 6'2", 240. I'll throw another wild card at you if I could ever find the kid. Luke Knox, he's technically listed as an outside yeah. linebacker, but he's 6'4", 245. And granted, this is a 4'3", multiple scheme, so I'm not sure how they want to use him. But uh, that was a pass rusher-esque last year that could also do some coverage stuff that might be an important piece because he had an injury early in camp last year and kind of came out in, quote-unquote, nowhere and really got in the mix in some games. Yeah, no, I think I think he's going to be a has to make plays this year, man. Look. They're going to leave no stone unturned when it comes to getting after the passer this year. Uh, I have no doubt about that. So, um, Knox is an option for sure. Mac, I think you said it, has, has had a really good preseason camp. We'll see, man. But it is uh, – it's dire straits over there on the defensive line. Let's just call it what it is. And if you really want to get into a technical sense, like, yes, it's a 4-3 multiple scheme. They're going to use some of these outside backers in particular in defensive end-type slots, particularly getting after the passer. But if you really want to get down into the actual technical sense to kind of sum it up a little bit, the only two listed defensive ends on Ole Miss's roster are Ryder Anderson and a fellow named Clayton Ladd. Yeah, I don't think he's going to play very much. So Ryder's got a mean go. neck beard. That a boy. But uh, Ryder Anderson, 6'6", 275. Clearly your edge guy, just who plays opposite him, is going to be... Uh, it's going to be interesting. I actually think they could be okay on the interior because they have a lot of big body dudes who just haven't done it a lot yet. Ladarius Cox looked good in practice at times right. a lot last year. Now, what the hell does look good in practice actually mean? Early on in his career, he redshirted last year, but he was kind of in the two deep a little bit. Tariq Tisdale, big veteran guy, right? Yeah. You've got Nick Haynes, Quentin Bivens, DeSanto Rollins, Patrick Lucas Jr., Katie, Katie Hill, Hal Northern. Uh, Sincere David's still around. Oh, how about that? But you get my point, a couple of these guys, and I kind of cut a couple of them out. You could probably guess who, but they have some guys that have kind of had some positive or the coaching staff has had positive things to say about in the past. Just none of him have done it. I would be if I'm looking at the defensive line and I'm the Ole Miss coaching staff and Grant, they know a hell of a lot more than me. But I'm much more worried about coming off the edge and sacking opposing quarterbacks than I am trying to find bodies to stuff the run. Yeah. Because not to mention you're very good in the interior linebacker. Completely agreed. And, you know, you lose a guy. Chuck Wiley wasn't going to play a ton, but, I mean, he's a good base. Oh, oh, I disagree, dude. I don't understand the Chuck Wiley thing because really? even with Sam Williams in the room, he's an injury away from being a starter, and now he went to UTSA, where, well, in, whereas if he had waited two more weeks, he would have started at Ole Miss. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say was, I mean, you, you lose two guys there that were going to play. I mean, you lost your one and your two on the depth chart. Um, so man, you, you know, that, uh, Deke Adams is kept up at night with, with, you know, who in the world is going to get pressure off the edge. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the Chuck Lowry thing is kind of like went under the radar. It's like, Oh, it's cause he hadn't done, you know, a ton in his old Miss career. But at the end of the day, you're looking around, you're like, wait a minute, that kid, whether he likes it or not, was going to play a lot. 
Yeah. It's probably most definitely, particularly with the Sam Williams news, which, you know, very serious situation. Who knows if and when that's ever resolved in terms of whether he returns to the program or not. Not not sure on that. Not going to play lawyer here or anything. No. But, like, you get my point. Once him's gone and his status is uncertain, like, the kid could have – I think Chuck Wiley would – I would have bet money on Chuck Wiley being a starter on the Ole Miss defensive line once the Sam Williams news hit, if he were still on the roster. Probably yeah. a lot of money, too. Yeah, absolutely. After Williams left, I was just talking about when he decided to transfer. Um, but, yeah, I mean, man, it's just – it's dire straits over there on the defensive defensive line. They, they have got to go recruit that position because if they don't, whew, gonna be, it's going to be ugly when 2021 comes around and everything's regular and you're playing 12 games. Really, the last thing I have for today is I find it fascinating. So uh, It's a kind of a twofold thing. Otis Reese – a guy that Kiffin said would be a starter to the Georgia transfer um, if Ole Miss, if he were eligible. He would be probably be a starter in the secondary. Where The secondary, which we've talked about before, I think will be better. How much better, I'm not sure. But when you take a bunch of freshmen who don't know what they're doing and you force them trial by fire in playing last year, which is largely what happened, naturally, they're going to be a little bit better. And I think they have some talent back there with Keedron Smith. Losing DeAndre Prince hurts. Of course, but you get a clean bill of health for John Haynes. There's some guys back there that you feel pretty decent about. But what's fascinating to me with the Otis Reese thing is they haven't heard much on his eligibility thing. But I do find it interesting and kind of refreshing that while Kiffin kind of stays buttoned up and does the whole monotone Saban-like thing with the media, when someone asks him a question that he actually has a strong opinion on, he's going to tell you and he's not really going to hold much back. Because he, you saw him got involved with the Cade Mays thing. Today right. he said it's a flaw in the system. And basically these kids are getting screwed. And he's not wrong. But I just, you know, no matter your opinion on the situation, I just kind of found that refreshing. Yeah, no, I mean, Lane, it's not all coach speak. It's just kind of real speak, right? Um, kind of like AK in a way. Like, it's just, if, if, if it's a bad question, he's probably not going to tell you much. Uh, if he doesn't have an opinion, he's probably not going to tell you much. But if he does, my man kind of feels like an open book. Yeah, pretty much, and that's uh, that's an interesting thing to follow if and when these kids get eligible because you yeah. talk about a huge swing in terms of them having to sit out this year and not be eligible versus them being to play this year, be eligible, and it not count against their eligibility. Right. That's a mouthful, but it, it, it's a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, Otis Reese would come back as, what, a sophomore next year? Um, and After have, playing potentially a full season. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal, so that's going to be interesting. I'm sure Ole Miss really, really is rooting for him. No, that's just fall sports, right? That wouldn't count for basketball? I don't think so. I believe that is just fall sports, and I'm pretty sure that's centered about 99.9% around football. Okay. All right. Well, I was just curious. But, yeah, I mean, if you can get that kid eligible and it not count against him, man, that is a big-time win. It certainly is. And what another thing, just to keep a heads up, that I'm sure you're not going to get a ton of information on this, but he mentioned uh, some guys being banged up, and then he mentioned the DBs having a little bit of a corona issue. And oh. Ole Miss had the, the Ole Miss released the thing last week about how they had 13 positive tests. Granted, it was not the football team that had the 11 of the 13 positive tests, but that does tell you one or two guys, I guess, dealing with it. Seems like it's been kept pretty, pretty. I say under wraps, just mitigated for the most part. Most of these colleges, with a few exceptions, are doing pretty well with this. But just something to keep an eye on, something to monitor. He, he definitely offered it up, and it was it was kind of off the cuff. But I was like, oh, that that's that's something. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, look, that's just going to be a thing for the whole season, right? I don't think we're I don't think we're defeating Corona fully by the time football ends. I hope we do. God, I hope we do. Um, but 
you know, I think that's just going to be a thing throughout the season. You're going to have guys miss games because of quarantine. You're going to have guys miss games because of COVID. So it's just, it's an unfortunate reality to the year 2020. Last thing I got really is the fans thing. Ole Miss officially announced like right as we were recording this podcast. Tate Reeves really announced it, you know, a week or two ago, but the season will operate at 25% or the fans will be allowed in at 25% capacity. Who knows how long that lasts in terms of whether it goes up or down. Not really the point. I just find it fascinating and not to throw like an NBA take in there, but it's just going to be like, like it's been interesting to watch the professional sports with no fans because basketball's pulled it off pretty well. They've kind of blacked out everything around it. They've got yeah. the cool little virtual fan thing. And you can definitely tell there's no fans there, but they pump in the crowd noise. You can't really like, it's not an ominous feeling the whole time. It actually looks pretty cool. Whereas baseball is constantly panning like, you know, fly balls or whatever into these large, empty, cavernous stadiums, and it just feels a lot weirder. I just wonder what football is going to look like. And I would say the second part on top of that, the first time I've really, really missed fans being at a sporting event from what I've watched so far is Luca hitting that game winner on Sunday. That would have been a game four in Dallas, and that place would have gone nuts. If you had ever seen a professional sports court storming, I think that might have been your closest (laughs) opportunity. And he had to do it with no fans. So I'm interested to see what football is. Looks like, I should say. They're going to pull it off? Mavericks? No, I don't think they win that series in the end. I think just L.A. has too much. But, man, you're all you're seeing the best. I mean, statistically and really eyeballs, you're seeing the best 21-year-old basketball player of all time. I mean, what that dude is doing at 21 years old against perceived one of the best defensive teams of the last, like, decade in the NBA is absolutely insane. Yeah, and, and he didn't even have his best his best teammate. So. But and yeah, he was hurt. He had yeah. an ankle issue. Yeah, I mean – He's insane. Uh, but, no, I mean, the fans thing really is weird. I'm sitting here watching the Cubs and Tigers right now. Uh, I'm glad I jinxed Maz. But, you know, look, it, it's just so weird not seeing, you know, raucous crowds when you hit a walk-off or you get a big strikeout. It, it is just kind of insane. So, um, you know, you're so kind of used to football's pageantry and whatever. So, it'll be different. There's no doubt about that. I don't know how loud 16 because I'm just doing some math. I think Ole Miss holds like 64, so 25% is 16. Um, I don't know how loud 16,000 fans can get. <laughs> I mean, no, and I don't mean to be an ass. I really, really don't. But is it, can, I, can I go like galaxy brain here and say it's a little bit of an advantage for Ole Miss because they didn't have that great a crowd noise when everything was full? So, so you think they're used to making noise with 16,000 people is what you're saying? I'm not making the tired the tired joke of, ho-ho, it's like a Chargers game normally. But Ole Miss, in terms of the crowd like noise on a normal scale is definitely bottom portion of the SEC. The stadium's relatively small in comparison. I would say it's average size. Actually, that's not completely fair. But the way it was built was not to trap in crowd noise because it's just kind of a hodgepodge of renovations. But, I mean, Galaxy Brain Take, is it a little bit of an advantage? Because if no one has crowd noise, like Ole Miss would potentially, I guess, be at a disadvantage when it came to that if everything was full. Heck yes. I don't don't really think it's going to matter. I don't think. Uh, crowd noise is going to matter at all this year. Like, not Two, one. 2,000 words coming Sunday night at the Spirit about crowd noise and who it affects least and most, so be sure to tune in for that. I'm mostly kidding, but uh, I'll have a column up this week, and then I've been doing a weekly, like, what have we learned in fall camp? So I'll have that up on Sunday. But that was kind of – we pretty much covered that column, essentially. I hit a little bit on the receivers, hit a little bit on Brandon Mack, and uh, – I guess the last thing we should hit real quick is the offensive line kind of shuffling around. Ben Brown going to center. 
I don't know who's going to play left guard now. I would say Jalen Cunningham, but he might go play right guard. They got some options there, but uh, that's another unit that's an injury or two away from kind of being like, yeah, what does this look like? Yeah, it feels like a lot of a lot of positions are that way. Just not a ton of depth. Still kind of recovering from the NCAA stuff. So, yeah, the offensive line's not deep, and you know you lose Eli Johnson, and who's a starter last year. Um, so it's tough, man. It really is. So, you know, I kind of think in a, in a, I don't think you'd ever admit this, but this probably isn't the, you know, from, I don't think Ole Miss has a ton of depth. So losing two games might not be the worst thing in the world to them. The issue is you're only playing SEC games. So does that test your depth even more? Um, 10 SEC games versus 12 regular games. That's, that's kind of an interesting question. I'm sitting here talking out loud. Does, 10 SEC games wear on you more than just 12 games would? I would say absolutely, because one, like you are going to get a power five opponent. It's Ole, It would have been Ole Miss Baylor, which you don't really think of Baylor as a beacon of physicality. I mean, just the way Big 12 football is kind of played, that's not entirely fair and super subjective. But at the same time, 10 conference games versus eight. I mean, there's no ULM's not walking through that door. So, like, I would, I would say yes. I think that's yeah. I'm kind of talking myself modern. out of that thing now because I mean, it's probably going to require more depth to get through a ten game season. With I think you do have a bye week, so that's at least good. Um, and you're probably going to have, you know, if if teams get corona outbreaks, you probably have you know quarantine. So you may wind up getting two bye weeks or three bye weeks. So we'll see. Um, but no, I don't think it's any secret. Ole Miss lacks depth at a lot of places right now. Yeah, I mean, sure, a 10-game SEC schedule with no bye week is going to be a physical toll that most of these guys aren't used to, even though the season's two weeks shorter. I mean, it's yeah. just that it's, it's not – you can look at it on TV. Watch the way the, the game sounds when it's UT Martin versus Alabama. That's not any groundbreaking stuff, but, like, it, it's different when that's every single week and it's coming at you every single week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like a train wreck every week, I mean, from a physicality standpoint, so. Man, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. There's no doubt about that. That should be about it for us today. I appreciate you joining me, dude. That was fun. Glad we got to talk about something interesting to where we're not just dragging on and on about what's gonna happen and you know <laughs> epidemiologists and all that stuff. But uh, that'll do it for us today. I think Ben will be back later in the week. I'll have to double check on him. But uh, best wishes for him. Hope he gets to feeling a little better. Appreciate it, dude. Be well. Absolutely, my man. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.